up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chat. This is episode number 151. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? Not too much. We've got some rares to round up today. There's some there's some fun rares in this set, dude. Sure are. Before we get into all of that, of course, our usual housekeeping. Check out the Discord if you're not already in there. It's the best place to be to chat with us. The rest of the Traficionado community, brag about your trophies, discuss your picks. All those sorts of things can be done in the Discord. Attempt and to check catch up. <laughs> wow. Shots thrown. I am so far behind. I definitely won't be catching up this set. But uh, there are a couple people who've been giving you a run for your money. This is true. This is true. Uh, you can find a link to that, though, in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. Huge, huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week. Thank you so much. Perks over there include things like our Draft Doctor series, stickers, show notes, our pre-show recordings, and our Draft Chaff Hero cards signed by us and sent out to you. And again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. All right, on to our crack draft type thing. This week, our crack draft type thing is a pack one pick one. So Ben, why don't you walk us through it? Yep, thought we would just uh, start off with a random pack one pick one here. Some fun cards. We got a, uh, a Karsus Depth Guard a Defender, the red thing. I haven't played this once, not going to. Although I have gotten killed by it a couple times, I'm embarrassed to admit. I think it's fine in decks that really can do the thing. I mean, it's not... It's like a 22nd or 23rd playable, I guess, in those decks. But like some decks can really make this thing go off. Yeah, the fact that it does always attack as slightly bigger than a 4-3. It doesn't play super well if you see it coming and have removal. But if you put a counter on this, then you're getting smacked by a 5 mana or 3 mana 5-4 or something. Or you you equip it with something that it can be gross to. But then again, like the red decks, uh, they can usually find better things to do. There's just enough backup in the set, though, where I feel like this is just okay. I mean, yeah, better three yeah. drops, but yeah. I should probably try it out a couple times before I you know, really <laughs> roast it. Uh, Burning Sun's Fury is next. This one's junk. Haven't played it at all. No. Deadly Derision. Bang a removal spell. Love it. Yep. Very happy to first pick a Deadly Derision. Yep. Uh, we've got a Dreg Recycler. This one has impressed me. Uh, I, I didn't really consciously understand that it's a free sack outlet, and that's not something we see all the time. We like the free sack outlets like Nantuko Husk style cards, the shades that like pump themselves uh, sack a creature to give this plus two plus two uh, but this one's pretty good too this one's good in the long game i would dream people out when they're at five uh, i've actually combined this with squee <laughs> before to uh, have an infinite drain out scenario and what were they going to do spend a good kill spell on my two drop drag recycler this one's just a solid two drop uh, we've got a pair of pretty useless four drops coming up we've got red cap heel slasher uh the the four mana first striker backup uh, no thanks mm-hmm and Chomping Kavu, uh, the four mana, three, three backup uh, that, what was that called? Um, towering, I think. I, I, someone in Discord remind us what, what that thing was called, that they spoiled what that mechanic was called at some point. They're going to keyword it, but they just, they never gotten around to it. Do you remember? I don't. Fearsome or something? Like that? I, yeah, I don't remember. It was something to do with like big green creatures that have that can't be blocked by power two or less ability. But both of these, I mean, I haven't liked red green by itself. I've liked the multicolored red-green decks, maybe paired with blue. Uh, even then, with red kind of taking a backseat and green just there for fixing uh, to, to tie it all together. No, th- these two haven't really impressed me. No, Chomping Coffee is like a fine-ish 23rd playable in a you know green deck. This, the Heel Slasher looks like it should be much better than it is, uh, but I haven't been overwhelmingly thrilled with it. Yeah, we've been seeing a lot of first strike on offense only. It's, it's pretty rare to see a card that just has first strike it on anymore these days. Um, so I, sometimes like a three, four first strike body is just good on the board. But this isn't the format of, of one for one cards. This is the format of two for ones. That said, there is like a weird sort of hidden vector deck in this format where you just build around Quende and you take every card that says first strike on it. And oh, yeah, it goes, yeah, that's qu- true. It goes up quite a bit. Next up, we got Traumatic Revelation. I've been kind of impressed by this one. It's not Thoughtseize, but it can't miss. So it's nice. True. Sword Sworn Cavaliers next, the two mana three one knight. It's good. Play it in my night's deck. I have a deck with three of them right now, and it's uh it's good. Yeah, this is one that I I'm usually low on these the the two mana three ones. Like we get one of these in every set in white. Uh sometimes mm-hmm. it's got lifelink, sometimes it's got, you know, whatever. This one has performed better than I anticipated. Better than they usually do, I think. Um there are just so many knights, and the knights decks can really take advantage of early aggression uh, that this card provides if you're if you're playing other knights. Yeah, the knights just have this ability to tap things down, lock them. There's the uh, devious slumber, whatever that card is. They can tap down two creatures. Uh, even some of the bounce spells kind of serve the same purpose. Our last comment here is Meeting of the Minds. Love this card. Big fan. 
Uh, I'll play as many as I can get in, in most decks, although you probably don't play more than four. But I have had some really dedicated, uh, really, really go wide token Z, like multiple copies of Joyous Storm Sculptor, that type of thing, Convoke decks, where I've played like three of these pretty comfortably. Yeah, um, I also can never... Like, I don't know why they didn't actually just call this card meeting of the minds. Cause I can never remember that there's no the in the word in the, in the title. Are you kidding? <laughs> oh, wow. How about that? <laughs> yeah. There's no the in the title. Mm. I just, I always meeting say meeting of, of the minds. minds as well. Meeting of minds. I guess it's like their minds are meeting. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, so far, what are you on? Yeah. Easy, deadly derision here. Yep. Agreed. Uh, our uncommons might change that. We've got an invasion of Moag. <sighs> I want to love this card, dude. It's a green-white card that puts counters on all your stuff. This is such a B card. And yet I had a deck with like multiple of these, a couple of the botanical brawlers. And when the when the draw just doesn't line up, it just doesn't work. It, it's, it's so yeah. good when it works. And it's so bad when your opponent can interact in any way, shape, or form. Uh, this is an awful top deck. And it's not good when your opponent can actually stem your aggression. So... I, I hate to say it, but this is one of the worst uh, one of the worst battles. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we know where we landed on it with our battle of battles episode. If you haven't heard that, go check it out. But it's definitely one of the vectors in this set with the one of the higher ceilings, but one of the lowest floors. And totally, there's there's a big gap between the two. So I definitely don't want to first pick this. I'm very hesitant to get into the the counters matter deck. I had this be good in exactly one deck, and it was like a four-color, multiple uh, Kami of Hope deck, where I already just had incidental counter synergy. But then I also had a bunch of good bomb rares, like Borborygmos and all that nonsense, and the, the counter stuff was just kind of icing on the cake. Uh, I didn't even really need to, to play these cards, so uh, win more at best. Uh, I'm, I'm sad to say that I, this is not that good. We've got Zalfir and Lancer. That's the 3-mana three 3-3 three, three knight gets pumped when other knights come in. It's a good one. Good rate. Yeah, totally fine. Um, serviceable in the in the uh, the red white decks. I mean, this is one of those. Oh, sorry, not red white, but any of the knights decks. Um, this is one where, like, if you were comparing, say, this to the Death Guard, you just take this every time. It's just a much better three drop. And it does have that nice synergy with the uh, the four drop ETB make two 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 knights. Uh, smacking exactly. for five with Vigilance is obviously pretty good. And Vigilance, you can't shrug that off in this format with Convoke. The white cards with Vigilance and the blue stuff with Convoke, they pair so well together, especially meeting the oh, Mines yeah. and uh, the Slumber. Last uncommon here is the Rampaging Geoderm. Uh, format 3-3, three, three, Trample Haste. And when you attack a battle, it gives a counter to something. When you attack normally, it gives plus one, plus one to something. It's fine. Uh, just haven't loved the Red-Green Battles deck, which is sad. But Red-Green is just... It's not really a two for one type of color, you know, it's it's more about good old fashioned beat them down, play a bigger thing at a better rate. And uh, that that's not good enough in this format. Yeah. Also, the battles that you play in those decks, I mean, the best battles in red or like really the only only really good battles in red are rare or higher. And the green ones, there are some green ones that you can get away with that are like lower rarities, but uh, putting them together in a deck that's like cohesive and works well is like just strange in this format because you end up like caring more about killing battles than you do about killing your opponent and then you just lose the game and it just yeah it doesn't doesn't really work too well I haven't found it to work too well I'm sure there are folks out there who have found the vector to line up pretty well in in certain builds but um, yeah I, I I haven't played the geoderm yet I don't expect I will yeah, there's the Invasion of Ergamon, the red-green one. And if you play that on turn two, you can play the Geoderm on turn three. But even then, even one good attack from this doesn't fully flip the Ergamon because it is, it is too much defense. So it feels like they they were trying to walk this tightrope, uh, this balancing act between how good to make the uh, low-rarity red and green ba uh, battles and then how good to make the red and green cards that want to attack battles. And some of them are pretty great. Uh, I actually don't mind the, uh, the the thresher, the thrashing frontliner, the two mana, two, two trample that I'll play in like red black decks. If I have a, a couple of battles or maybe like I'm splashing an invasion of Amonkhet or something, I don't mind playing one of those or two. Uh, they're just fine. You know, two, two mana, two, two trample. That's like whatever by itself, but the geoderm and, and related other cards, uh, it feels like they may have landed a little too far on the make it harder for them to flip side, uh, I think they maybe could have leaned in a little more to make the red green battles easier to flip. We'll say Invasion of Mercadia is good. I like that one. Uh, that's mm -hmm. like the uh, tormenting voice style battle. The backside of that, the uh, the, the Kylan Flame Rite, that card is is awesome. Being able to the, turn any card into functionally heroic reinforcements is, is pretty sick in the late game. 
Now we've got a, uh, a couple things here left to talk about. We've got a rare and then we've got a multiverse legend. We'll start with the rare. It's Pelucranos Reborn. A very easy card to cast in this format, or at least my opponents find it very easy to cast. But when it's in my hand, I can never seem to find those green sources. Uh, yeah, no, this one's fun. Uh, I would take it early, and I would try to skew towards a deck with enough forests to to put it in. But also, you know, don't be afraid to veer off this, even if it seems like you're supposed to be a green deck that heavily favors another color instead. Yeah, this is a perfect card to kind of be the poster. I think this is like a good poster child for don't marry your first pick. Like yeah. it's a very powerful card when you can flip it. It's ridiculous. I mean, who doesn't lo- like who doesn't love a worm coil engine? Right. Um, I'm a big Poly K fan anyway. So like I'm really happy to see it in, in my packs. But um, and it's I mean, it's a three mana four five with reach. So even if you don't do anything else, like it's just a phenomenal card. But it is very difficult to cast most of the time. And this is one that I would happily take first pick, but be very ready to just abandon this for whatever I take second pick and, and keep going with the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun fact. I actually attacked a Drana and Linvala straight into this bad boy. Totally forgot it had to reach. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a big old Hydra there. So, you know, those heads are getting up into the sky. Yeah. And the uh, funnier fact, the Drana and Linvala was preventing the Pelucranos from flipping. Uh, yep. So that was a that was a rough t- sequence of turns that followed. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. That's uh, yeah. I love that that they uh, designed a card that shuts off all the transform stuff in the set. That's pretty. Oh cool. yeah, it's so good. Uh, but you know, one way to break a board stall is just hope your opponent screws up and forgets what cards do. Sometimes that works. Sure does. Our multiverse legend here is Kenrith, the Returned King. That's the five out of five five that does a million things. Uh, all they're the all kind of. <laughs> this is this is just. I mean, like, you just windmill slam Kenrith though. Like it's just a ridiculous card. Yeah, Kenrith is really cool. Um, it, it's hard to not be able to cast Kenrith. Super splashable. I mean, it's it's four and a white for a five yeah. five, and then no matter what color combo you're in, there's a good chance it can do something relevant. I guess the worst of them is probably the haste mode, but I see, mean, I don't then. even think that's true. Like if you, if Kenrith is a top, like a, a top end in one of your like aggressive decks mm-hmm. and you can tap out red to, to give it the, what it's haste and trample, I think. Yeah. Trample haste. Um, like you can close games out pretty easily with that. I actually think the worst one is probably drawing cards. It's just mm, that, like that's yeah. the slowest, least like affect the board version. Yeah, that's I guess true. the gain life also does that too. But like you can, if you're in a board stall, the gain life just like makes it impossible for your opponent to kill you ever. And it gains the, so much life. Three mana so for, much. for five is just a stupid rate to be repeated like that. If you're in a board stall, you just start throwing counters on your stuff, and then all your stuff gets bigger than their stuff, and then they, I, it's just like, I, it's like a nice little toolbox in one card. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just be careful that you don't activate that reanimate ability on one of your opponent's things because it will give it back to them. Maybe if you're feeling yeah, really so kind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What, yeah. What do you want from this pack? Clearly. Yeah. I think, I think I just take the Kenrith and move on with my life. I mean, it's just so powerful. I think there's an argument to be made for Pelucranos, but Pelucranos is so much harder to cast that like, I, I don't, I don't really see it being very close. And even then there's other good cards in this pack. The meeting of the minds is in there. Uh, and, and, uh, just the Pelucranos and the Dreg Recycler and the Deadly Derision. This is the kind of pack that I like seeing when I'm playing a set. I like seeing a pack with many good options, not like one where you take the least bad option. Uh, I like mm-hmm. packs like Mom where you take the most good option. And it, it's kind of up for debate here. I, I could see people arguing to take Deadly Derision over Kenrith. I could see that as well. I still think Kenrith is the better card. Like if you were just doing pure like card evaluation i think kenrith gets like an a a plus and deadly derision gets like a b minus or b oh don't get me wrong i'm also taking kenrith here every time (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) i have i have a heart you know (laughs) (laughs) all right on to our fairy tibble this is our roses and thorns style segment where ben and i share a high and a low for the past week so ben what's going on you know what? I think I'm actually going to flip this back to you. you. You've written in our show notes here, the iPhone conundrum. And I'm very curious to hear where that goes. Oh boy, do I have a story for you. Gather around, grab your snack listener. <laughs> this week, so I've had an iPhone 13 Pro for going on two years now. Cool. I skipped the 14. I didn't upgrade. So yeah, almost two years. Um, Friday, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Apple has started doing these these software updates that I can't recall the exact terminology they use, but they dub them something along the lines of um, like a required security update, something like that. There's like some terminology they use, but it's basically just a forced update that they push to the phone that's supposed to be a way to like super quickly patch security problems. Sure. Friday night, I 
set my phone on my charger to, to go to bed for the night. This up, some new update hits my phone. When I wake up in the morning, every on average 90 to 120 seconds, my phone restarts. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, that's weird. Like maybe it's a fluke. I tried manually like turning it off and on, like restarting it going through turns out, uh, and when the, when your phone crashes or like anything happens like that, it actually stores logs of what's going on. So I went into the analytics, mm-hmm. found the panic logs, and it was reading as a hardware issue. So it kept saying there's a there's a processor in your phone that is always on to do like random background stuff. It was reading there was an issue with that, and then it was also reading there was an issue with um, one of the registers on the the board basically that is related to your charging port, which I don't use. I have a wireless charger, so mm-hmm. I don't know. But I didn't like drop the phone or like do anything like that since this update hit. So I think it was like a bad update that was making my phone think that it had hardware issues anyway. So this is happening for like all of Saturday because the update hit Friday night. I wake up Saturday, all Saturday, every yeah minute and a half to two minutes, my phone is resetting. That is whack. And, and, and usually yeah. if the, if there was a problem with my phone, the first thing I would do is restart it. What do you do when the problem Naturally. is that it's restarting? Is that it's restarting. <laughs> right. Well, the, the, uh, here's the other problem. I couldn't call anybody because I couldn't keep on the phone long <laughs> enough to have a conversation. Man. So I, I, I run down to the, the Verizon store. There's Verizon store on the other side of town. I run down there, tell them what's going on. Tell them basically, I just want to upgrade, get me off of the 13, put me on to something else. The sales guy was like, well, you might want to wait because October is usually when the new iPhones come out and you know we're not that far away. What I can do is send you a replacement for free because you've got like warranty or whatever on your plan. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. Let's do that. That sounds fine. They overnight a replacement phone to me. Well, nice. technically it was overnight, but they don't deliver on Sunday. So I got it on Monday. Sure. Um, I open the, the replacement phone out, go to turn that on and it won't turn on. Of course. So I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe it's dead. That, that could make sense. That's fine. Throw it on the charger for over an hour. And then I look over at the charger and it's stuck in this boot loop where the Apple logo pops up on the screen like as if it's turning on. Then I get the dead battery logo. Then the screen goes black and it does that over and over and over and over and over again. So is this a charger thing? Is your charger frying every no, phone that I goes on it? No, I tried it. Well, I, that's the thing. I tried it on like a ton of different uh, different chargers and the same thing. So I take that one back to the Verizon store. And they're just like baffled because apparently they've never seen like a cleaner device, which is what they call the replacements need a cleaner. Um, so basically they were like, well, what we're going to do is we're going to send you another replacement and then uh, we're going to give you a discount. Cause I had to pay for like shipping to get the the first one sent to me. They're like, we're not going to yeah. charge you for the second replacement. We're going to give you a discount to offset the inconvenience. Nice. So I finally get a replacement device uh, yesterday. It works. I can turn it on. It took me over 12 hours. <laughs> to get it synced to my, to get the stuff transferred from my old phone to my new phone. Cause every time I try to transfer stuff, it would restart. <laughs> <laughs> this is and ha- having known you for most of our lives. This is maybe like a, a special kind of torture designed just for you. Like, this, I know, right? Like, this is hell. This is what actual hell is. This is, yeah, this is died. like the type of stuff that would happen in the bad place to you. Like, it's, yeah. Uh, oh my goodness. So frustrating. I finally did get it to switch. And now I, I haven't like wiped my old phone yet or anything. Cause I'm just, part of me is just like, something's going to happen. Like there's, <laughs> it can't be that they sent me a phone that works. Um, and a friend of mine, I, I was complaining about this too, was like, oh, well, you know what? Maybe Apple sent that update. Like they're forcing people to upgrade. I was like, well, they're about to make me upgrade off of Apple and onto Android, (laughs) (laughs) which to be honest with you, I have no issues. I tend to alternate back and forth every couple of years. But anyway, that's my Tybalt. Thank you for the story. Um, Thank you for coming along for my story. Um, (laughs) My Teferi though, is that I, I, yesterday I got to catch up with an old coworker. I haven't seen him in like four or five years, um, but he was in town for like a work trip and, Got to catch up. Went to like one of those fancy rooftop bars in New York, and that was fun. Dope. So, what's up with you? Not too much. I'm gonna start with my tibble, which is that I uh, just have no time. Uh, and as I tend to do when having no time, I tend to sacrifice sleep to uh, to make up for it. But school's almost over. Got about a month left, so that'll be good. Uh, unfortunately, that's that's broken my gym schedule, which I'm not super happy about. But I'll get back on that uh, once I have less things to do. To fairy wise, I've kind of recovered in mom. I had a bit of a rough run where I couldn't seem to, well, I, I'm not going to say couldn't seem the trophy, but <laughs> there, there were a couple. There was a, I had a bit of a dry spell. 
uh, where I was I had a couple of like one and twos, oh threes, things that I'm not, you know, super, super happy with. But I turned it around. I made day two of the qualifier. I've got uh, I've got that this upcoming weekend. So that'll be fun. And I've got a teacher appreciation this week. And uh, they say that if your job needs an appreciation day, it means you're probably underpaid or uh, <laughs> you have bad working conditions. So if you have a whole week, you can extrapolate what that means. <laughs> but uh, that being said, that there are some some benefits to it. Uh, we, we had a bunch of like fun desserts that the PTO brought us today, and a student gave me a cake, which was kind of cool. <laughs> like, uh, like a whole student, cake. Yeah, yeah, like a like a classic Italian cake. Uh, that that was that was pretty sick. Uh, some other students gave me cards and things like that, and uh, that that was nice. So every once in a while, my my freshmen turn it around on me, and I realize, oh yeah, they're they're learning how to be real people. They're getting there. They're mostly mush in in their brains, but you know, every once in a while, there's a there's a spark of something human. <laughs> no, I, I love my classes. They're they're pretty great. Uh, I'm definitely gonna miss them after this year's over. But uh, anyway. Yeah, I think we should just jump in our listener question of the week, which is actually I kind of stole it. Uh, hit us with your listener questions, folks. We, we need some more in there. Uh, but actually, I, I thought this was a great one. Uh, Calcifer, sorry, I'm stealing your question straight from our, our other channel. But you asked, how many instances of sorceries is too many to play Seed of Hope? And I, I intentionally didn't respond in Discord because I thought this would be a great one to talk about on the show. Uh, this was in response to a, uh, well, a certain trophy deck of mine that's... It might be the most busted deck I've had in this format, and that's saying something because I've had some nasty Light. piles. <laughs> yeah, this one, um, th this one just played out so goofy. L let me, I'll summarize it with this. I actually declined picking my second Zimone and Dina uh, to take <laughs> to take a dual land. <laughs> so it was one of those types of drafts. Uh, but this deck was awesome. Uh, I, I, it, it just had everything I could ever want. Uh, I had a Karuga, and then a bunch of plus three, three CMC stuff, uh, a Brutoclad, an Emodi, uh, Izuri, Inga Nasika. I had a, an Eryxmathese in there, a Dina. I think there was, oh yeah, there was a Brawl on Karizev. Oh, and there was a sword of, of, of uh, once in future to tie it all together, you know? And the, the, the reason that uh, Calcifer had, had a question, the question was how many instants and sorceries is too many to play Seed of Hope, which I was actually playing a single copy of. I've been impressed with this card in the... I guess, big mode style decks, the ones that are going so far over the top and maybe have a little bit of graveyard interaction. Um, Unsealed in Acropolis is one that, that comes to mind. It pairs well with Seed of Hope. I didn't actually have one on this deck. Uh, I had a, a couple instants and sorceries that cost two or less. I had the Cosmic Hunger. I had a Final Flourish and I had a Zalfirin Shapecraft. That was actually it. But Seed of Hope, it, it lets you put a, a permanent from your top two into play. And this just seemed like I had so many busted permanents Getting a little bit of selection, a little bit of life gain to smooth out my draw uh, and, and functionally play maybe an additional land, 17 lands with a Seed of Hope. Uh, it seems like it might be correct for this, this huge value pile that just wants to hit its land drops, resolve its spells, uh, find the right fixing. And I had a bunch of dual lands, but uh, there was no guarantee I was going to you know hit those right. I was playing four and a half colors. So uh, how many instances and sorceries is too many to play with Seed of Hope? Because that's all you can really whiff on right the only non-permanence uh what do you think about this i only had three in this deck i mean at what point what percentage of your deck would have to be instants and sorceries before you get you get worried about hitting two of them with seed of hope yeah uh there is an actual answer to that i don't i don't have the math in front of me but <laughs> um intuition says you probably don't want more than four really maybe five yeah i mean this is only really bad when you double hit instants and sorceries right and that's not going to happen. I guess it's really bad if you double hit with them, but you don't want to hit at all. Yeah, but worst case, it just cycles itself, right? And then you wind up with an instant or sorcery in yeah. the graveyard and whatever permanent you you hit. I feel like the, the true number might fall somewhere around like six, but it's definitely not that high. I would play it, though, especially if you're a graveyard deck and maybe you're a graveyard deck. Maybe you're green black, right? You're playing like a... Stuff with self-mill and surveil, uh, like the two-drop three-one cat that surveils. Also, I noticed that there's actually a lot more cats in this set than I anticipated. I think a Kahira companion could actually work. I had a deck where it was close. <laughs> I saw somebody I saw somebody play a Kahira. I don't think they had her companioned, but they buffed I think they had seven creatures on board, including the Kahira, and they buffed like five of them. <laughs> there's so, elementals there's dinosaurs you know yeah. uh, I, I got close in a deck but uh that that's on my list of achievements to get uh 
but yeah, e- even if you're playing like a green black deck, you probably do just want this card to help you mill yourself um, and, and get some value in the graveyard, uh, especially if you have like a big reanimation payoff. Maybe if you're playing like a Sultai deck with Invasion of Amonkhet or a, an Abzan deck with uh, the rare one, Tolvada, I think, uh, the black white one that reanimates. But so far, I, I've, I've, I was impressed with Seed of Hope in exactly this deck. I haven't been playing enough like super heavy graveyard decks to really try it out in others. But uh, honestly, that's why I love this format so much. It feels like there's vectors that I still haven't even explored yet. Do you ever play more than one? Nah, probably not. I mean, this is almost yeah, acting like, really. no, like one of those adventurous impulse type cards where it's kind of acting like a land in your deck. And though you're not guaranteed to hit a land when you're looking at the top two of your library, but it's pretty close, especially if you have your ratios, you know, right. Uh, I, I don't think I'd ever play more than one unless I had some really weird turbo mill thing going on. All right. On to our main topic this week. This week is our mom rare roundup show. You guys have really liked our rare roundups, so we're going to try to keep these going. This is kind of just a time to dive into some of our favorite rares. I mean, some of them, I don't know that any of them are really like traditional chaff this time around. There's a lot of power in this set, but sometimes they're pretty chaffy. Sometimes they're not. We're just going to kind of talk about the things that we really appreciate out of these rares and some of the things that maybe aren't working either. The first one up, I mean, I opened this card. I opened two of these in pre-release. And it's just jammed both of them in my deck. That's Breach the Multiverse. It's a seven mana spell that mil- everybody mills 10. And then each player just like you just get to steal a thing from everybody's graveyard. I don't know. It's, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, this one is actually already broken into uh, constructed formats where there was a new Rakdos Breach deck going around. It played the usual Rakdos stuff on the small end, but then Breach on the top end to just really go over. Uh, in Limited, though, this one has some fun applications. You can absolutely kill people just by milling them out. Yep. Uh, this also pairs really well with the scob that puts an instant or sorcery back on top of your library uh, because, you know, <laughs> you, you play this, you get the scob onto the field, and then you put this back on top of your library. Honestly, the, what does the scob do? I think it mills two or three. Sometimes if your opponent's library is at the right place, uh, just casting breach and then hitting the scob mills them out totally. Then you just pass the turn and they die when they go to their draw step. So uh, breach is, is just a silly card. Also, I'm only just now realizing that last line of text exists on this card. Then each creature you control becomes a Phyrexian in addition to its other types. I didn't realize it did that. It's also a weird thing to read on a sorcery because it's a permanent effect. It's not until end of turn. That that feels very difficult to track in paper and more of a flavor thing. It feels very alchemy thing. It feels like a very, yeah. very alchemy induced uh, line of text. But I, I mean, I just realized that it does that and uh, that makes it even better because there's a lot of stuff in the set that cares about Phyrexians. Yeah, that's true. There's um, things that proc when Phyrexians die. There's that, that bloated processor that you can sack other Phyrexians. Uh, there's even uh, the, the perfection, the, the, the black, white, uncommon that, that buffs all Phyrexians. Then again, like... Well, there's all the enchantments that do it. Yeah, too. yeah. Then again, if you've resolved Breach, I guess the you've game doesn't tend yeah. to, <laughs> to go yeah. many, many more turns. Uh, one way or another, this card will end the game. Uh, cool thing about this card, though, is it's beatable. I, I've had opponents yeah. cast Breach, and then I bounce the creature they got from me back to my hand. <laughs> and then it's like, all right, thanks. <laughs> you turn my my bounce spell into a creature spell. That, that's kind of cool. And like, sure, they got a bunch of card selection, a bunch of mill, a bunch of other value from that. But even this is not a totally beatable card, even though it's maybe one of the best top end rares in the set. Yeah, and I'll say this this follows along with a lot of the cards in the set that we see that are super powerful. It's a rare. Like most of the rare, they're not most. There are a lot of rares in the set that feel like they should be mythics within the context of the set. I don't if you pull them out of the context of the set, maybe not. But in the context of the set, a lot of these rares feel like they should be mythics. Yeah, just big splashy effects like this. Uh, I mean, mill ten. <laughs> it, it took me like three or four times drafting with a, uh, a card we'll see in a bit invasion of Alara before I realized that wasn't a mythic. It was just a rare. <laughs> right. Do we even have, I don't think we do. Have, okay. We have two mythics, I guess three technically on this entire list of cards. Yeah. Uh, as a general rule in the set, the rares are highly impactful, but so are the commons, right? Yeah. They're highly impactful in a way where even the common removal spells feel as though you can get back into it. Like if your opponent resolves right. an Elish Norn, not not the Grand Cenobite, you're kind of screwed if they play that. But if your opponent resolves the Elish Norn, just shut up Elish Norn, you don't feel that bad. It's like, oh man, they played a really strong mythic. But if I have a common removal spell in hand, I can I can handle this. Even Breach, uh, like you can absolutely win from this. 
Uh, then again, I did once uh, breach into my opponent's Itali. Uh, you can't win from that. <laughs> no, that's that's a that's a tough hill to climb back up. Our next rare though is one that you better have that kill spell in hand. We've got Glissa Herald of Predation here. This is a uh, maybe the card that I've I've lost to the most uh, without having played it. I, I have not cast Glissa myself, and I just love how even in case you're not entirely sure what to do with it, you can just activate those uh, those options in order. You know, just do it exactly as it says to. The first turn, you incubate twi- two twice. The next turn, you transform them all. And then you give all your Phyrexians first strike and death touch. Or maybe if you're feeling spicy, you just incubate two a bunch of times and then transform everything and then give it all first strike death touch. You really can't go wrong with this one. No, especially because like by the time you're ready to transform them all, they functionally have haste, right? Because... There are artifacts yeah. of transforming that have already been sitting on the board for a while. So it's like, oh, I'm just going to sit back, build up this army that you can't interact with. And then when I'm ready to, I'm going to flip them all and attack you for a billion. Oh, by the way, this is on a three five that never enters combat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's pretty close to an ETB effect because the window to kill it is from when it's cast to combat. And if, you, if your opponent's tapped out, you know you're getting that first trigger. And even if you just get to incubate two twice off this, you still feel like you got two cards worth of value off of off of one card. Uh, the, the best case scenario for your opponent is often kill this after you've gotten incubate two twice. If your opponent plays this and gives all your Phyrex, all their Phyrexians first strike death touch, you're probably dying on the spot. Yeah, yeah. This is a card that really demands the removal spell immediately. Like you kind of need somehow to do it before they even get to the combat after they've played the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a nightmare. You let this go for really more than like a turn or two, and it's just it's a snowball that gets momentum very quickly. Our next card here, one of the best bangers of the set, in my opinion, Itali Primal Conqueror. I mean, what more do you need out of your Elder Dinosaur besides to have it Phyrexianize and then instantly just kill your thing? You never even get to that point because this no. thing is just <laughs> this thing just breaches for you, um, stapled onto a seven seven with trample. Yeah, this one's just goofy. Uh, it's 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 so much fun though. Uh, this uh, this might be one of my top three favorite cards in the set. I, I just love this this design, everything about it, how it kind of calls back to the previous Itali. And this one's also broken into Constructed a little bit. We're seeing it as a reanimator target played alongside a, the new Atraxa, uh, which makes sense because when you hit a tally, you can hit an Atraxa from both you and your opponent. So yeah, uh, that that's fun. But even in Limited, um, you rarely lose after casting Itali. I have beaten it. I have lost after casting it. It's not easy. It can happen. Uh, but this this just swings the game so far in your favor. And yet it doesn't feel unfair you know? Yeah. I think it's, again, it's just, it's part of that whole, like, it's not just one card in this set that has this level of power. There's so many rares in the set, not even just mythics. There's so many rares in the set that kind of everybody gets the chance to play with them. So it never really feels like that bad. You're just like, Oh yeah, they had it. Okay. Well I had it last time. So it's, yeah, you know, it's all right. Next up one that I wanted to talk about Inga and Asika. Uh, that's the four mana four four blue green rare. They give creatures you control vigilance and tap to add one mana of uh, any color, but it can only spend on a creature spell. And then whenever you cast a creature spell, if three or more mana from creatures are spent to cast it, you draw a card. This is aggressively blue green. Like this is oh, yeah. th- this is really cool. Uh, it kind of gives all your creatures convoke sort of like creatures it's in your hand that technically is. worse but yeah yeah it's, it's you, uh, they, they can't convoke the turn they enter play like they're still summoning six so they can't tap to activate the oh yeah good point things so technically convoke or like yeah being able to just tap your creatures to convoke is, is technically better than this but it does kind of make all of your creatures convocable yeah first of all i i gotta address the art on this card it's iconic i like these just house cats Pretty goofy. <laughs> yeah these house also cats they're like running a, on like a rainbow road. Yeah, they are. It, it's so much fun. Uh, I don't know if if I was part of the invasion or if I was part of. Yeah, if, if I was one of these Phyrexians invading Kaldheim and I saw this charging towards me, it's like, all right, these are e- either the dumbest people on the battlefield or I'm screwed. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. There's no in between. It is kind of interesting, yeah. too, because you see like a spine or like a tail or something of a Phyrexianized monster in the background just behind this like nice rainbow with, like you said, these house cats. And there's like Essica's like or uh, I think that's Inga, actually. I, no, that must be Essica. 
Inga's the blind um, seer. Essica is the, uh, right, the right, world right. tree goddess. Right. Well, one of them is like singing uh, and has like, uh, I don't know if there's like stars or like almost looks like confetti. That'd <laughs> be Essica. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I really like how this card fits in the format. I find this to be a good glue piece. Um, and this is the type of mid to late game engine that I, I think you can really use to power out late game strategies. If you have one of these, you almost don't feel super bad if your opponent slams an Itali. Like if I had an Inga and a Seek It Out and maybe like a creature or two that I was preparing to cast in my hand and my opponent slams an Itali, I'm thinking, okay, I can actually come back from this. Even though if you saw these two in a pack, you're probably just slamming the Itali every time. I, I think these cards can be comparable in power level if you're doing, if you're building around this right. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I kind of agree in that, like, like I, I would take Itali every time if the two of them were in the same pack. I think it's Agreed. the more powerful card. But if you build around Inga and Essica properly, it does give you the tools to get back when your opponent gets ahead. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've played with it once and found it to be a little cumbersome, but I don't think I built the deck around it properly. So, mm. yeah, I, I think... Uh, the added benefit of giving all your creatures vigilance so you don't have to really make the decision about whether or not to attack if you want to cast your other stuff is really nice. And it's also just a four mana four four. So you you can't it's it's kind of hard to complain about it. Yeah. I like that it gives all maybe the things that are tapping for mana, like the, the green mana dorks and the blue things that you'd want to convoke with. It gives them all vigilance. Uh so it, it kind of keeps that ramping in mind. Right. Next up, here's a fun one. Invasion of Alara. I am uh I'm I'm burdened with glorious purpose. I cannot seem to pass Invasion of Alara, and it's my duty to spread this to the world. Uh, people, you should be taking and, and playing this card. It is very doable. It's very fun. And yeah, it's got seven defense. It's not easy to flip, but it is worth it to flip it. Also, that art. I mean, come on. Yeah, and, and the hands on the back. Gotta say... Getting to, well, first of all, this is a draw two, right? Just at its base, you're drawing two and then you're free casting one. You don't necessarily have to keep in mind the things that cost four or less, but you probably don't want to play too many counter spells if you have one of these in your deck. Uh, maybe have some like some good value stuff uh, up the curve instead. Some creatures, uh, things with good ETBs, other battles don't even hurt that much. Even if you do hit a counter spell, you can choose to put that one in hand and then put the other thing, uh, have that one get free cast. But this one, I have been able to flip it. Uh, this is the type of one where you would want to build out a board probably before casting this, and you really want to get it an attack in the turn you play it. Uh, that way your opponent doesn't get the time to like build out their board and make sure they're going to be able to set up defenses so that you never get to attack this thing. The back, uh, it's it's brutal. And this is one of the more win-more cards in the format. But, you know... You really kind of do need to slam the door on people sometimes in this format where uh, anyone's live to top deck their breach or, uh, or or their Itali, right? You kind of need to go over the top in order to win. Yeah, this is one where I feel this card is more of like a ticking time bomb than anything else. It They cast it and like I've never actually seen anybody free cast anything absolutely ridiculous off of this. No, yeah. Most of the time people are casting like, you know, their random three drop or whatever. And that's totally mm-hmm. fine. It does put them up a card, I guess. Um, they usually go parity on mana, I guess, uh, given that they free cast the other thing. Sometimes they go behind on mana. But then you're like, they cannot flip this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to do everything in my power to prevent them from flipping this because then I'm in a really bad spot. And uh, so, yeah, th- this feels like a time bomb in a, in, a, in a lot of ways. Next up is Omnath Locus of All. We finally got our Wooburg Omnath. And uh, poor guy. It had just had it just took this. getting Phyrexian eyes um, <laughs> to get to get that black mana. But I haven't actually seen Omnath played yet. So I'm I'm interested to hear. I know you have played with it. What are oh, your, what are your with, thoughts on the card? I have revealed Omnath to Omnath. <laughs> oh, all right. So the first ability is a wacky one. If you would lose unspent mana, that mana becomes black instead. I did actually have it come up in a game where I had an Omnath on board, had like maybe 10 lands in play. I uh, I floated all my mana, then passed the turn. Next turn, I untapped, tapped all my mana again, and I cast the XX Phyrexian that uh, incubates three X times. I think I said X equal to like eight or the nine. The janitor Exarch? Yeah, the Exarch. That was, a, that was a pretty cool thing to do, That's I think. disgusting. Yeah, uh, just incubate a million times. But uh, the, the mana floating thing isn't the important part of this card. It's the fact that at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you look at the top card of your library, you may reveal if it has three or more colored mana symbols in its mana cost. This doesn't happen very often. Functionally, 
I don't think a single common has this. Only rares do. And this will count the triple colored ones like Zimone and Dina. Uh, it'll also count the ones that have uh, like two of each color pip um, or like maybe like two of one, one of another, like Furia or uh, Hazrat and Jeru or uh, Kogla and Yadaro. It'll, uh, it'll even hit um, Pelucranos. It doesn't really care about the, yeah. co- the fact that they're different yeah. colors, just cares about seeing that many colored pips. Exactly. And then you float that combination of mana or what, some combination that it could make. The joke is then that lets you cast that card easier, but you can just use it to ramp. This doesn't happen that often. Um, there'll usually be like one or two cards that could proc this in your deck. But then the real, they kind of bury the lead here. The, the real best part of this card is the last sentence on it. And it says, if you don't reveal it, put it in your hand. This is sometimes just a format of four, four that draws you an extra card every turn. And in this kind of format, yeah, that's good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like weird stuff with this card that you're right. It kind of uh, it's a bunch of stuff that's like, oh, that's kind of cool, but largely won't matter. And then, oh, yeah, you just get to draw an extra card every turn if you don't really care about all that other stuff. So it is one that feels like kind of sneaky um, and, and you kind of don't have to play it. it look, like it's a five color card, but you don't have to play it in a five color deck either because of that Phyrexian mm-hmm. mana symbol. So. Yeah, that Phyrexian yeah. Black does make it a little easier to cast. Although, if you're playing that many colors, you're probably playing Black. Uh, yeah. I don't know, the, the, the Black. It's usually white that you cut out of the four. Uh, white's just not really known for its good fixing. <laughs> but right. even Black has, has some treasure making. Green is is the best color fixer. And then just, there's dual lands that you could do this. Um, but you can, you can cast this on turn four. Uh, you could cast this on turn three if you try hard enough. So next up, we've got Sunfall. This is uh, probably the winningest card in the set, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just getting rid of all your, like a board wipe at five that doesn't enable death triggers, but then also leaves you behind like a big creature is pretty difficult to come back from. Again, this is mm-hmm. one that is beatable though, right? Like if you still have a removal hand, a removal spell in hand or a bounce spell, like your the board gets reset. So if your opponent casts a sunfall on you and you do have one of those two, like you're okay. Um, yeah. But the numbers don't lie. This is a very winning card. Yeah. Uh, especially when you can engineer scenarios where it's good. I have lost after casting sunfall and I have beaten resolve sunfalls. So uh, it's again, just a cool component in this format. I would say that there's a subset of rats in this format. You should be aware of though. There's the invasion of Fiora too, uh, an invasion of Karsis. You got to watch out for these. Uh, they they will come in and get you, especially the go wide decks that are looking to just make a bunch of tokens, try to convoke stuff. The blue white knights deck gets hosed really hard by these two. Typically, though, if you build the blue white knights deck properly, you're kind of already winning the game by the time they get to cast one of these things. So yeah, uh, hopefully. Next up, a card that I overlooked in our initial glances at the set: Transcendent Message X Blue 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 Blue. It's an instant convoke, draw X cards. I'm not going to lie. I see that many blue pips and I usually get turned off immediately. I'm like, not only is that far too blue a card for me to even want to put in my deck, uh, quadruple pipped, but you got to keep in mind your creatures can help you cast it by convoking. Yeah. It turns out it just doesn't matter. (laughs) You're often casting this for X equals four and like not even needing to tap a land (laughs) to do it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're playing a solid blue deck, I mean, just think about Preening Champion, how that interacts with this card. That that functionally puts you up two cards when you eventually cast this. Uh, a note about it is that it does make you want to play along the Convoke Vector, which means you're not trying to trade off your creatures. Uh, I found that Convoke and Battles actually have a an interesting play back and forth, where sometimes if your opponent is attacking a battle, there are cases where you want to chump. Uh, especially if it leaves the window open, if you're playing in a more aggressive deck like Blue White Knights, which this de- this card can go into. You tend to have a lot of vigilant creatures, ones that uh, you could attack with and then convoke out the transcendent message after. That Blue White Knights deck I'm playing right now actually is a copy of this. Although I am running into a small issue. Most of my creatures are white and uh, yeah. you really do want blue creatures to help you convoke this out or else you have to warp your mana base to play more islands, but then your creatures are white, so you're not hitting them on curve. Uh, try to skew your, your creature base and your mana base to be able to cast this. Yeah. And I'll add to like, this is really most at home in the red decks. I mean, frankly, there's a mm-hmm. sequence that involves commons that allows you to play transcendent message for X equals four on turn four. It's disgusting. You just go rouse reinforcement on two printing champion on three transcendent message on four tapping out to cast it for X equals four. Like that's just absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Four and I've really been four on the, uh... turn four. Come on. <laughs> 
I've been liking the Storm Sculptor a lot too. Just five mana, make three bodies, and then occasionally ping down some battles, just ping your opponent a couple times. Uh, oh, yeah. a, a really, really fun vector to play. And Transcendent Message is part of it. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying that I'd consider like a quadruple pipped blue card one of my pet cards in the set, but uh, th- th- this one goes late and I, I don't really get it. No, me neither. Well, I do get it because I just take them when nobody else does, but <laughs> I do. Uh, speaking it. of pet cards, I can't stop opening and taking Borbrigmos and Vibblethip. Uh, this is this is just a, a silly, ridiculous card. I just want to shout it out because it's so much fun. Uh, that's all. No, no, the reason. <laughs> it's you know what really I think though. is even more funny about this? What? What's my favorite commander deck? Oh, well, it's the, it's chaos. Duh. Right. You know what the commander subtypes are? Oh, it's Cyclops homunculus. Yep. Wait. Yep. So, I mean, they're different Cyclops and a different homunculus, but I just think it's hilarious that what your like pet card is essentially like my, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Your, your chaos deck, it has a Cyclops and a homunculus in like the, uh, the all seeing eye, the knowledge uh, of the eye, the eye beholds that type of thing. Uh, for me, these two are just idiots. And they're, they're, yep. it's <laughs> they're like, wow, dummies. two eyes, two eyes, and, and you can barely get depth perception functionally. It's like these, these guys right. are bumbling. But if you manage to get both their eyes together, uh, they can do some cool stuff. I assume uh, lore-wise, Borbrigmos would get teleported off to a different area. I guess this is this card implies that Fibblethip... I mean, Fibblethip was always a joke until they actually made him a legendary. That, that was fun. This card kind of implies that Fibblethip has actual magic abilities as a homunculus that let him kind of just teleport and get lost because he, I guess he can tuck both him and Borvi into your library. So I guess if uh, maybe Borbrigmos gets overwhelmed by this world tree he's, he's smacking on or invasion tree, whatever, uh, I guess Fibblethip just ports them both away. It sounds like a good way to do it, actually. Um, it's also just an incredible pairing. I just, you never really would have thought Borby and Fibblethip, but that 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 feels like that needs to be like a comic series or something. Just the adventures <laughs> of Borborignos and Fibblethip, and you just follow them it. around, getting lost all over the multiverse. That'd be lovely. And a small note: just remember that that uh, activated the ability to put it into its owner's library, third from the top, can prevent you from milling out from single card draw. I missed yep. that at one point, and it was not a fun game to lose because I saw it as it was happening. Not only that, I, I consciously reminded myself, "Oh, I've got to leave two mana up for that," and then I didn't. So. Well done. Next up is Sword of Once and Future. This is the last of the sort of and yeah. cards. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say, I don't um, love the name on this one. No, I hate it. Oh my gosh. Why Good. was it Glad not we Sword of Past and it. Future? Uh, I was thinking Sword of Then and Now. Then and Now would be so much better too. Once yeah. and Future just doesn't work. I don't I don't know why they did that that way. Yeah, uh, it's I, I get it. Really I get it, but... Whatever. I mean, blue and black are two of the strongest colors in the set, and they're really strong because of removal, like Deadly Derision and Afara's Dispersal. Uh, if you can get this on a creature, it's great. But what I really like is the number of two mana value spells, instants and sorceries that cost two or less. Uh, I've gotten Rouse Reinforcements off this. I've gotten the Volcanic Spite off this. Uh, the Not Deadly Derision. The uh, fi- Final Flourish, the minus two, minus two, which you can kick for minus, uh, six, minus six off this. Uh Anything else? Oh, Ren's Resolve, uh, the Exile top two cards of your library. A lot of cool pairings you can do with this. Uh, but then again, you should just take it and slam it. I got this like fourth pick the other day. I, I was stunned. Wow. All right, next up is Boonbringer Valkyrie, a.k.a. Better Baneslayer. <laughs> yeah. Rarity shifted Baneslayer, at least. Yeah. Um, this is just so good. I, I mean, there's it's almost like too good to even really have anything to say about it because it just does exactly <laughs> what you want it to do. Um, the backup on this is Prime. It really lets you just get away with like weird combat situations that you otherwise wouldn't have been able to get in, uh, get involved with jumping. Anything that's relatively big just feels off awesome with this. And um, otherwise it's a five mana four, four flying first strike lifelinks. So, or a, a five mana five, five, even if you want to back itself up. So, yeah. Um, when I saw this card, especially at rare, I was hoping that they had learned their lesson from the, the whole dream trawler thing. And I was thinking, all right, if this is a rare, it must imply that the format, hopefully it implies that the format is such that this can be a rare. And I think that's what happened. Yeah, this does it's, feel like a rare in the set. Well, and it's interesting too, because this is probably of the cards we've talked about. This is not even in the top three of power level. I think <laughs> <laughs> no, so, no, this is of the ones we've talked about towards the bottom. Yeah. 
So, I, you know, it that really says a lot about the set too. And then again, we've talked about this over and over, but the the power of the removal in this format at Common is just so good that uh, a lot of this stuff's very dealable. Like you can you can totally deal with a Boombringer Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this next one up is a little harder to deal with. This this is a very U card, I think. I love it. Zephyr Singer. This is the uh, three and a four rare that has Convoke. And when you Convoke it out, it's got Flying and Vigilance as well. But when you Convoke it out, you put a Flying Counter on every creature that Convoked it. This card is just amazing. I had a deck with two of these in it and like a bunch of other just random knights and like Preening Champions. It's a little awkward with some cards because like a card like Preening Champion already has Flying. So you kind of really want to have cards that don't already have uh, Flying. But it just... It just works so well. It's so easy to get into a really nice, like, one mana, two mana, three mana curve, play this on four or five, and then just jump your whole board for the rest of the game. And then, you like, somehow your opponent deals with it, and you play the second one, and then they're just like, okay, all right, uh, <laughs> game over. Very cool, like, just creative design, too. I really like that. Yeah, sometimes you'll have, like, one reach blocker. Maybe the Tangled Skyline uh, gives you, like, one Frexian blocker token, or uh, the Historian, uh, the 3-3, will have reach. And you can sit back with it, and first of all, then you're not attacking with your big green creature, then you're kind of sad. But you'll sit back and be like, all right, I've just got to hold my one reach creature back to hold back their whole board of flyers. It means you're not advancing, you're attacking game plan. And it means you're just kind of waiting until they have their one removal spell that they need to then start smacking it with their whole board of flyers uh, blue has some really good aggressive tools in the set between being able to jump its board with stuff like this being able to tap things down um having a, a really cheap couple counter spells uh that, that can stop you from or stop your opponent or whatever from resolving the things that could stabilize the board uh kind of a weird identity for blue to take but it's a welcome change up my opinion. Yeah. I don't know that I would say that though. It's, it's, it's right at home in the tempo aspects of blue and Uh, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of that like efficient interaction in this set isn't proper removal. Like even Defaro's dispersal in a lot of scenarios is not proper removal. You're really just postponing it. It's a tempo card, but with all the tokens floating around, it does sometimes act like act like real removal. And that's exactly what I've done in the past with this card. uh, Zephyr singer, is yeah, do that whole one, two, one drop, two drop, three drop curve into Zephyr Singer. They play something with reach that stalls my board, and then I immediately just bounce it and swing. And you just you just feel great. I will say the one downside to doing that is that most of the creatures that you're casting at one, two, or three mana have relatively low power or toughness. And mm-hmm. so if they get any real flyers out, I mean, if you're jumping a bunch of tokens that you use to help get this out, maybe on turn three or something, like if you went one drop, rouse reinforcements, play this on on three and jump the the three other creatures, like a bunch of one ones in the air really isn't doing a whole lot. So there is kind of this contention that you have to play with. Do I play the singer now and jump these relatively mediocre creatures just to be efficient? Or do I wait until I have better creatures I'd rather have in the air? Uh, Yeah. Interesting decisions to make with this one. Next up is a card that I believe we've both trophied with city on fire. Oh yeah. (laughs) This is a goofy one. Again, this is a rare and it says, if a source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals triple that damage. See, triple is, uh, this is going to come as a surprise to the listener, a lot better than double. Uh, this means your three power <laughs> sure two drop hits for nine. That's half their life total. <laughs> yeah. Maybe even more than half their life total. This can turn any of your stuff lethal. Uh, it, it, it's funny how well this interacts with, with just anything you've got going on and yeah you got to take a turn off to, to cast it and, and triple red is hard but is it's it been though? easier than it seems you know yeah well that's exactly it i mean when i first saw this card i wrote it off as like it's an eight mana spell with three three red pips like this is never happening but then i realized it is really easy really really i mean this goes back to the same thing as a transcendent message it's mm-hmm. really easy to get creatures on board to help you cast this thing i mean i think in in the, the deck that i trophied with it i had two of them and I, nuts. which is ridiculous. Um, and I actually went, I think the fastest I got this out was turn five, <laughs> man, which is just absurd. Yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you deal with that? And there's not like, there's a ton of main deckable enchantment removal in this set. There's like the green sailback or whatever Yeah, yeah. that, that oh. does, that does work. But besides that, I mean, there's not a whole lot of main deckable enchantment. Mm-hmm. And I've criticized similar cards before, for making you take a turn off combat venerated loxodon i have just such a big vendetta against because those white decks want to be attacking on turns two three four five 
They don't want to take the turn off, but this is limited, you know, and city on fire, that payoff is actually worth it. This isn't you take a turn off and then the game goes a few more turns. This is you take a turn off and your opponent has to do something really, really good or you just win. Yeah. I mean, barring like a board wipe, they, they basically are just going to die. Like there's not a whole lot else you can do because now every like your two drops trade for their five drops. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and better yeah. so it, it gets really difficult i will say though and we had this interaction in the discord but i had to go look up the rules because uh it didn't quite make sense to me but with trample this works very weirdly so they apply hmm. like uh and I, I may i may i actually think i'll just pull up the, the rules so what it says uh, the rule set for city on fire says while you control city on fire if a creature you control with trample would deal combat damage to a blocking creature you must assign its unmodified damage for example a 3-3 creature with trample blocked by a 2-2 creature can have one damage assigned to the defending player and then two damage assigned to the creature it will then deal six damage to the blocking creature two tripled and three to the defending player one tripled so you have to split the assignment prior to the damage being dealt because city on fire doesn't actually modify their power it just replaces the damage that would be dealt weird and then that damage dealt to the creature the excess wouldn't spill over right Okay, strange. Because you've already assigned the excess. Yeah, you've already assigned assigned the excess, and then the amount just gets replaced. Oh yeah. Okay, so it checks originally. Yeah, that that's weird, but whatever. (laughs) You're winning anyway. Yeah, I also love they have to. They felt the need to list this in like the actual rules text for the card, but like if you have two of them, they deal (laughs) nine times, and if you have three, they deal twenty seven, and so on. Well, that was for you. You had two in a deck. (laughs) That's exactly why they did it. That's true. But I, I mean, that makes sense though. I don't, I don't know that they needed to write that out in a separate ruling, but. So we wanted to shout out some of the multiverse legend rares too. Uh, Esri Claw of Progress has been good for me. The format of three, three with experience counters involved. Uh, whenever a creature with power of two or less enters, you get an experience counter. And then at the beginning of combat on your turn, you put X one month counters on another target creature you control where X is the number of experience counters you have. Kind of weird to have experience counters in like a, an arena draft thing. Because that's usually like mm. a commander type thing. But it's whatever. It works. Uh, curving this into a joyous storm sculptor. Really gross. Get three counters on something right away after making three bodies on the board. This does take a little bit of building around, though. You can't just shove this in a random blue-green deck. Because sometimes, I mean, you might play a couple low-power things before you play Ezri. And then the stuff you play after will be like four or five power. Uh, you can't play this as a hill giant, but... If you build around it and have a couple preening champions in your deck, uh, this thing really goes off. So, companions. We got to talk about these. Uh, So far, I have successfully companioned Obosh, Lutri. I think that's it. I had an option to companion Umori and Karuga, but I decided not to. Um, I think I made the right call. But uh, that that I I can kind of count that as like, yeah, I had the ability to, but I decided to spike it. I don't know. A couple that I really still want to do, Luris and Yorian are super high on my list. I really want to pack one, pick one Yorian, and then I can just go nuts for the rest of the draft. I mean, that's virtually the only way to get Yorian in your deck, though, is to pack one, pick one, and nobody passes Yorian. Yeah, that's true. I mean, just think about the percentage of decks anyone playing white or blue get to play these things. And in an average limited set, there's going to be enough ETB triggers that's going to work. Luris, you could maybe get later, but do you want Luris later? I mean, if you don't have a bunch of one and two drops, it doesn't. And there are good cards that work with it. Uh, There's a couple one and two drops in black and white that have good ETBs, like the backup ones, the one mana backup creatures in both uh, the common white one and the uncommon black one both work really well with Luris. Also with Luris, you can't play those expensive battles, but you can play expensive non-creature spells like uh, uh, non-permanent spells like Deadly Derision or um, Unsealed on Acropolis is especially good because if they somehow manage to grind through your stuff and kill your Luris, you just get Luris back. That's true. It does let you cast the uh, the two-drop uh, black-white battle, which oh, yeah, that's uh, true. is a removal spell, which is pretty good. Which involves um, sacking a thing so you can loop other stuff. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that works pretty well. So that plays in nicely. Um, I have seen quite a few people play Luris and choose not to not to companion it, but just run it in the deck. And also mm. a f- totally valid way to play the card. I mean, yeah. three mana, three, two lifelink that gets back anything at all is just good. Um, sometimes you don't want to give up the fact that 
all like you, you need your bigger permanents, especially in limited. A lot of times uh, you're not really going to get the job done if every card in your deck is two mana value or less, but some decks can do it. Yeah, you don't want to force a deck full of bladed battle fans <laughs> if you could be playing, I don't know, like Invasion of Fiora or something. Just don't don't lean in too hard uh, on it. Okay, lastly, I wanted to just bring up this card because we, we drafted this one in the live draft we did and we missed an interaction with it that made the card go way down for me. And that is Hirobi Death's Whale. Now, Hirobi says whenever a creature becomes the target of a spell or ability, destroy that creature. That's any creature any player owns targeted by any spell or ability. What we failed to recognize was that backup can, you can, you can use backup creatures on your opponent's like creatures. So your backup creature can back up one of your opponent's things, which turns all of your backup creatures into removal spells. Now it does the same for your opponents, but if your opponent taps out on turn four to play this and you've got a, a backup creature or two in hand, then you just kill like their, one of their other creatures and then fu- end with killing the Hirobi and they don't really get to get any value off of it. I, I don't know. It just makes it worse in my opinion. Yeah, it's kind of a funny one. There's two uh, black spirits in the, the Multiverse Legends. There's the other one. I think it costs six. It's like a six, five. Saison. And, uh, Saison, yeah. It makes your opponent draw two, lose two, and then you draw two, lose two, and then uh, every upkeep or whatever. Uh, these are weird symmetrical effects. I like this one better than Saison, the, the Hrobi. Uh I still don't hate it. It is a format of four, four flyer, but yeah, I did have an opponent use backup stuff on my stuff and that, that wasn't cool. Uh, you could side this out, you know, if you're playing best at three in that, in that scenario, I don't know. It's, it's high variance. I still kind of like it though. (laughs) It does feel like your kind of card. Yeah. Imagine playing this with a bunch of like backup creatures of your own, right? If you're in black, white, you have a bunch of good, like cheap backup stuff. Uh, then you could turn all your own stuff into ravenous chupacabras. Yeah, I mean, this one, at least more than Cezanne, like this one is one that you can plan to use properly or at least remotely properly. Like the problem is it's just really expensive to do because you what the way you would do that, right, is play Hirobi on like turn eight or something and then use the rest of your mana to play a backup creature or anything else that targets your opponent's stuff. Um, and that's great and all, but then I kind of still want to end the turn with the Hirobi dying <laughs> because I don't want... <laughs> It, I guess it depends on the board. I mean, you can totally manufacture a board state where you're okay to have Hirobi stick around, but all right. Well, that about does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Definitely jump in the discord. Let us know what you think of all the rares in the set. What are your favorites? We'd love to hear them. The link to the discord is in our episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft pod. You can find us on Twitter at draft pod. Thanks folks. And we'll catch you next week. Well, you may or may not catch me next week. Uh, I might crawl into a cave and play Tears of the Kingdom for the next, I don't know, five years. <laughs> However long it takes to 100% master mode. Probably going to be more time than that, given that I'm still working on my my Breath of the Wild one. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom, I am so excited for this game. Got lots of people talking about it. Uh, haven't had too much to do on my Switch recently, but this is this is really going to bring it back out again. I'm, I'm a, a pretty longtime Zelda fan. For a very long time, Majora's Mask was my favorite game in the series. And I think it has some aspects that I like better than Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, it misses on one thing, which is music. And I I like the music in the game. Don't get me wrong. It's beautiful. It's cool. But Zelda has always had music as kind of like a main attribute of it. Most iterations of Link have an instrument that he plays as some sort of, you know, core mechanic. Uh, The the infamous Ocarina of Time was just like the whole game was about music. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, right. And and similar in Majora's Mask. And I like that aspect of it. As a musician, I, I think that's cool. Um, even in Wind Waker, that continues. But uh, I, I thought that was a miss. Maybe the only miss of Breath of the Wild, which is maybe now tied with um, with Majora's Mask or maybe even edges out as my favorite. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited for Tears of the Kingdom, though. Are you going to get it? I don't know. I never finished Breath of the Wild. Um I've been, the, I don't, I actually, the thing is these days I don't put too much time into playing games anymore mm-hmm. for some reason, whether it's, I don't have the time or I'd rather spend it doing something else. Um, for some reason I seem to always have an excuse not to play video games these days, which is maybe not a bad tis, thing, tis. but, um, I've had my eyes on a Hogwarts legacy for a really long time. And then hmm. some of my coworkers keep trying to convince me to get Elden ring. Uh, oh, I really want to play Elden ring. Yeah. Between those two, I don't know that I'd have time to play anything else because both can be pretty time consuming from what I understand, but yeah, fair enough. Tears of the kingdom. I I was hoping for this. uh, I said right after Breath of the Wild came out, I was like, the only way they could really follow this game up is if they 
make the Majora's Mask to the Ocarina. If they make like same game engine, but a darker, more expansive, uh, hopefully weirder sequel. And it kind of looks that's exactly what they did. I don't know. I'm very excited um, to, to attach things together, which you couldn't do in the, in the previous game. You can like attach a sword to the end of a stick and then have like a really long sword. It, it seems very sandboxy. Um, and from what people have said from early uh, early gameplay, it's it's huge. Maybe comparable to something like Elden Ring. So uh, I'm I'm super pumped. Uh, is it going to eat it in my magic schedule? Yes. Is it going to make it harder for me? finish the school year with doing things on time absolutely uh but i already know a couple other teachers that are that are equally as hyped and we agree we're all going to play on our prep periods together so <laughs> should be good there you go also i don't know uh if you actually follow him or not i know i sent you a video before on uh from charles cornell the jazz pianist uh um, oh yeah but he he does like breakdowns of movie music and video game music and stuff and he did one on tears of the kingdom mm. that you might appreciate i i from what I understand from his video, I didn't watch his Breath of the Wild one, but from his Tears of the Kingdom one, he seemed to appreciate the music more than the Breath of the Wild. But there are a cool. lot of like callbacks to Breath of the Wild music. So Oh, that I'm sure I'll love. Yeah. So check that out. But uh, yeah, you'll have to let me know how it is. Bye.